So I think the companies that are going to be doing really good work in five years are the companies that are AI first now. Like that's that's the whole premise, right, of this book, which is you've got to start thinking about this now. One, because you've got to compete in your industry and the basis of competition is changing. You can't just like make good software and expect to make a lot of money now because a lot of people can make good software. You have to build some pretty amazing, impressive predictive systems. You got to make predictive software. Um, so if only to make money and be competitive in your industry and be a leader, but also to do so responsibly, you've got to start thinking about AI first in every conversation. Again, people, products, policy, all these conversations need to have someone in the room with the vocabulary uh, to express what it means to put AI into these systems that we have throughout companies and governments and society. Hello and welcome to Digital Mindfulness, the show that brings you the latest and most impactful global insights on responsible and ethical technology from around the world. I'm your host, Lawrence Sampofo. That was our guest today, Ash Fontana. Ash is the author of the book, The AI First Company, How to Compete and Win with Artificial Intelligence. He became one of the most recognized startup investors in the world after launching online investing at AngelList. He then became managing director of Zeta, the first investment fund that focused on AI. The firm was a lead investor in category-defining AI companies such as Kaggle, Domino, Tractable, Lilt and Invenia. And he's also appeared in, in publications like Fast Company, Bloomberg, Forbes and at the UN. In this episode, we talk about Ash's new book, The AI First Company, and in particular, how companies and teams around the world are poised to change as they adopt this AI first mindset and subsequently put it into practice. If this discussion is interesting to you, please come to our website at www.digitalmindfulness.net and dive deeper into our research and events on the latest in global responsible technology digital ethics, and much, much more. Enjoy this fascinating episode with Ash Fontana. Okay, so Ash, thank you so much for joining me here on the Digital Mindfulness Podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show and really to talk about this fascinating new topic, which is really encapsulated in your new book. We'll get onto that shortly. But to talk about um, artificial intelligence, really what's happening right now, in terms of the current zeitgeist, and then also your perspective on how, in terms of how you think that's going to impact both business, society, and people at a more atomic level. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Likewise, I'm excited too. 
So, Ash, I wonder if you can just introduce yourself and your work, mm. and in particular, how you came to be working on this fascinating topic of artificial intelligence mm. for our audience. Yeah, you know, I've been playing around with software systems, computers, whatever else since as a kid. You know, if you're curious enough, you eventually end up getting pretty interested in computers, I think. Um, they're so powerful. And played around with them and you work on a few different products and whatnot. And it just came to the point in around 2010 where it was obvious and, and you were around looking at lots of different applications of technology at this time. But it was obvious to me at that point that it was going to become pretty hard to manage really large volumes of data. And so we worked on a company, um, two friends and I worked on a company around that time. And so we sort of worked on this thing at the start of the big data era to help you know, big loyalty programs and whatever else understand their customers better. And that was one thing. And then I went and went, did some other things, um, you know, helped get AngelList off the ground, um, the biggest fundraising platform in the world. And then it became the case in around 2014 that it was quite obvious to me that there was a real resurgence in research in artificial intelligence. There was a huge amount of data being created every day. You know, 2013 was the first era of zettabyte of data, 10 to the power of 21 bits, a byte, sorry, of data went across the internet. And it was also obvious that we had some pretty powerful computers um, that were pretty readily available. So it was all sort of coming together for the field of AI at that point. And um, I met my partner, Mark, and uh, he had the same ideas. And so we, I started investing um, in AI companies, AI first companies, like the first generation of them. And I've done that for a while now. Um, so that's how I came to this field. And look, I think you have an opportunity when you're an investor to really get a level of understanding of what it takes to bring certain technologies to market that others don't, because you get the benefit of being really close, especially if you work really early on in a company's life with the founders of the company. You have the advantage of being really close to the actual day-to-day -day problems of bringing that technology into the real world, out of the lab and into the real world, that is, but also the benefit of working with a few at a time. So you see lots of different ways that it can be brought to market or instantiations of that technology in the real world. Um, and so that's how I sort of came to AI. That's how I've learned about it. And that's um, how I've come to the point where I've learned enough to write a book about it it's fascinating and i really want to kind of like dive into into you know the real mm. crux of the book but one of the core messages from the book is that you know it's so important not only is ai important but it's important oh. to be ai first when we're thinking mm. about um when we're thinking about yeah. and i'm wondering if you can just talk to that a little bit more like what's the main mm. of the book yeah Look, I think we all need help with prioritization. We have so many things coming our way every day, um, whether it's personal demands, work demands, news of what could be around the corner that will demand our attention or time or whatnot. We have so many things coming at us every day that we all need help figuring out what to put first on the priority list. And this book just tries to give you a perspective of what it means to put AI first. And just what, what that really means in terms of everyday conversations that you have at work. So what does it mean to put AI first in a conversation about what product to build? Well, it means 
you design features into that product that collect data that uh, are very useful for machines trying to learn something, machine learning algorithms, um, distributed neural networks, et cetera. What does it mean to put AI first in the conversation about hiring? Well, it means you got to think about like, what is a data scientist? What is a data engineer? What's a machine learning engineer? How do you manage those people? What tools do they need? How do you compensate them? And what does it mean to put AI first, really importantly, in conversations about compliance and regulation and implementation? And I think a few people have an understanding and a few people have like slightly better understanding of this, of the potential of AI. And I think a few people have an understanding of some of those bits, like what an AI first product is. But I don't think many people out there today have the benefit of learning what it means to put AI first across an entire organization. And that's what I try to help them understand um, in the book. Yeah. I, th I think I think that's fascinating. And I think for me, I'd, I'd really like to just back up a little bit because um, you know, when we're talking about um, AI, because mm. I know that um, again, AI, it's it kind of means different things to different people. It's a slightly mm -hmm. term. But from your from yourself, from your own perspective, um, what is AI specifically? And also what is an AI <laughs> first organization? <laughs> well, AI is not that specific a term. Um, however, what I think when I think about AI or where I start um, the consideration of the definition is, look, it's a form of intelligence that's not our own. And it's that means it's something that can do something different. It can learn in a different way, specifically learn in a different way to us. It might be quicker, it might be more reliable, it might be more highly dimensional and be able to consider more things at once. It might be lots of things. Um, it might It just thinks differently to us. And then one of the really cool things about something that can think differently to us is it might be able to run on a different substrate. You know, our intelligence operates on a biological substrate, a brain, a bunch of neurons and big jumble of things that sits in our head and, and sort of throughout our bodies too in sensing systems. But AI can operate on a computational substrate. So it can operate on lots of different computers that look exactly the same and are really cheap and can be connected to each other. So it can operate at a really large scale. So it can think and learn, so to speak, in a very limited way, because it's only one type of intelligence at a scale that we can't. So that's what I think about when I think of AI. It's not um, anything like our own form of intelligence. It's completely irrelevant in considerations of, you know, humans interacting with each other to emote something from each other or to take care of each other in that sense. Um, but it is something that's really cool to think about as we think about um, tools that give us leverage over our environment and tools that give us leverage over things in time and space. And that's, uh, that's why I think it's so powerful because it is a really cool tool. Interestingly, when, when speaking to, to my colleagues about this, mm. um, one of the key, one of the key things that we keep going on about is that you know there are there are two main um, issues that the world faces right now, and one of these is climate change, and the other is basically how we manage artificial intelligence going mm -hmm. forward. Um, 
And in terms of that level of importance, is that something that you would more or less agree with? I bet, yeah, I really do. Look, there are a lot of important things to think about. But for me, these are up there. Like, I guess the way I'd answer that question is that's pretty much all I spend my time on. Um, you know, besides taking care of the people around me that are like in my immediate vicinity and community, uh, yeah, that's all I spend my time thinking about is AI and climate change <laughs> and the decisions I make about how to spend my time and money. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty good one. Ash, as, as of course, we are digital mindfulness. Mm-hmm. We focus, you know, one of, of course, one of our key um, focuses here is the um mindful and responsible um, um, use of technology and mm. of course as this as this discussion really has kind of picked up steam over time um, again we've now seen this um, burgeoning um, um, subgroup of um, responsible AI and again this is something that you talk about mm. you talk about explicitly within the book so I'm wondering mm. if you can just talk to that a little bit more and also really what that path is towards mm. not just a good AI but responsible AI? Yeah, um, this is such a good question. And it's such a good field in which to operate because it's so inextricably linked to the concept uh, of being AI first. As in, if you don't start by thinking about the responsibility you have as a product designer, as a business owner, when you're thinking about your first bit of adoption of AI, adoption of a bit of AI technology, base technology, then it's going to be really hard to ultimately um, bring that AI first product into the world in a responsible way. And so what do I mean by that? I think it's really important to start with thinking about, well, what prediction am I going to offer people through this product? Or what am I going to offer people through this product um, that they can't do now? And like, is that something they really need and want? Does it actually make their operations better in the b2b sense or does this actually make their life better is it does it actually increase the enjoyment of this product in the the b2c sense in the consumer product sense so it really starts with like what problem am i even trying to solve with ai and is that you know a problem people need solving to be honest it's like designing any product you know do people really need you know another way to ingest four thousand calories in four seconds no, they probably don't. So I probably shouldn't make a food product that does that. And do people really need, you know, another way to get more insidious advertising in their brain? No, they probably don't. So I probably shouldn't design uh, an AI that's really good at figuring out the exact point in time where your brain is most vulnerable to remembering a jingle. I don't know that that would be a responsible use for AI. Maybe it would in certain cases. I don't know. But the point is it starts at the design phase. And then it very quickly moves into more obvious um, manifestations of the uh, the duty to be responsible, um, which are things like, well, what data do I need to collect to train this intelligent system, to train this machine learning model or otherwise? And is my collection of that data something that is um, permissible? Is it opt-in? Is it legal? Is it done in a way where, you know, maybe I'm protecting people's property. If you think of data as property, that's a whole nother debate to have. Um, or people's attention or, or around the thing that I'm 
predicting whatever but am i doing this in a way that's not only responsible now but is going to be responsible in future like what if someone hacks my database in six years is that going to create a problem for people have i like um created an opportunity for some bad to be done in the world um so firstly it's a design problem secondly it's a data problem and i think thirdly it's a um what i'd call like a drift problem to just stick to this 3d's thing here and the drift problem is you know even if i design the model well even if i collect the data well these models learn over time and so they change their output changes they start delivering different predictions summarizing things in different ways whatever else um recognizing different things in images calling them different things and they'll change over time and as they drift you know is there a chance they'll start doing something that I don't want them to do start you know creating text that's like a little bit hateful or hurtful even will they start recognizing things in images in a way that's offensive like labeling things in images in a way that's offensive and if they do what am i going to do about it so as the designer of the system am i going to design for drift by saying well if it starts doing things that i just think are objectively wrong i'm going to stop the system and just like pull the plug on it or i'm going to have a way to set up an alert and then automatically retrain the system or what am i going to do and the whole last third of the book really is about this which is how do i measure it so that one i know that this investment i've made in this ai system is making a positive impact is profitable or useful or what not and then two so that doesn't get out of control that is absolutely fascinating that's just absolutely that that was fascinating and i think like you say that whole thing of um, you know mm. and i think the last section you were talking about this whole thing of managing models and measuring mm. the this whole thing about drift yeah it's um absolutely critical but then i think for me i would love to come back to the teams because one of because you talked about lots of different areas in which um ai really impinges upon so you're talking about mm. things like legal compliance mm. you spoke about the different areas where we can apply um this you know, auto, you know automated machine learning and and i'm really interested to know your thoughts on what types of teams then do you need to be building around these new ai mm. deployments because it seems like um i don't know the way that we would traditionally think of software development we would need to mm. think that in the age of ai absolutely you know um you know there aren't software engineers there are data engineers so it's not just about making code that is reliably executed that doesn't break um like we none of us like it when our iphone crashes or you know our our, our computer crashes or whatever else because the code just has bug in it um you know what does it mean to have data that just stops being fed into a system and so the system breaks or starts generating an erroneous prediction so just like software engineers have to write good code data engineers have to build good pipelines for data to flow through and what does it mean to be a data infrastructure engineer versus a data engineer it means making good decisions about again how to serve up that data reliably and serve up predictions reliably it's a very different problem to just serving up software reliably and then getting to the sort of more easily understandable roles what does it mean to be a data product manager rather than a product manager 
you know, a data product manager has to think about, well, how do we present things to people in a way where one, it makes sense to them, it helps them, you know, make a decision, this prediction we serve helps them make a decision to use the vernacular from a really good book called Prediction Machines. Um, and how is that also different from being a product manager, which is more just about like executing a calculation? And how do we think about designing a product so that we get feedback from people about whether the thing we serve up to them is right or wrong? Do we put a yes, no, accept, reject button in the product so that next time we give them a better answer? So there are lots of different roles to consider. Um, and then there are, of course, all the different roles on the compliance side, you know, people that are experts, privacy, that um, understand the protections you need to afford certain classes of people, um, that understand what you need to do to prevent the biases of the humans designing the system from getting into the system, um, that uh, also provide like a degree of security around data and have mitigation plans and whatnot. And then finally, there's sort of the marketing side of things, which is, you know, given that you're going to be working with people's data, how do you communicate that? How are you transparent about that? How do you engender trust around that? So the role of a product marketer, for example, changes uh, in an AI first, first team or is different in this sort of AI first century. Um, yeah, there are lots, just an example or some examples of some of the roles of an AI first company and how they're different from a traditional software company. Ash, how, I mean, given that we're talking about um, not just technical systems, but socio-technical mm. systems, you know, they don't exist absent of their place within a company, you know, mm. or, you know, um, society, how ready do you think um, businesses, business is for this type mm. of AI that we're speaking about? Look, it's, it's all over the map at this point. And that's what I'm trying to do by publishing a book like this is just sort of bring everyone up to a really good standard of understanding. Um, it's all over the map in that, you know, I meet a lot of like very big, important banking institutions and they're doing a really fantastic job at managing their data, not moving too quickly, making sure that everything lines up really nicely in terms of, you know, if a new system is released, the data is protected in the way it should be. Um, but, you know, I also meet a lot of companies uh, applying various machine learning systems, computer vision systems, for example, things that recognize things, objects and images. Um, uh, to various medical problems. And, you know, frankly, I'm a little bit scared uh, because they're getting their data from all these sources without necessarily the permission of the underlying patients for, um, well, without uh, getting a good sample of lots of different patients. Um, and they're building models that are not that reliable or accurate. And so if you think of that model being in the world, you sort of worry, well, if people think this is a functional model, um, they're going to make decisions they're not very good. So it's, it's a little concerning um, in some areas, but it's really quite comforting in others. I, de I definitely think so. And, you know, um, 
you know, kind of re reading through the book and just, you know, thinking about my own experience in this. Um, I'm really interested to know what your view is, you know, I guess looking into a crystal ball. Um, I the question I had was um, me thinking about, okay, Ash, what do you think almost like a crisis is going to look like, you know, because we haven't really mm. had that just yet, you know, like a real AI um, um, crisis mm. and kind of what that might look like. Um, but um, I think, I, you know, that's actually a question I, I would still like to put to you, but more, I think more mm. pertinent would be um, almost, you know, in, in five years, like what, you know, what do you see as, um, um, like what companies do you, foresee doing this quite well you know kind of really mm. um, looking after the data looking after the models reshaping the way that mm. think about AI so that they can incorporate yeah yeah so I'm going to answer the second part of your question <laughs> because it's I think that's the easy one and it's also because I really want to get to the first part of your question um, I also don't like making too many predictions so I'll, you'll see what I mean in a second so I think the companies that are going to be doing really good work in five years are the companies that are AI first now. Like that's, that's the whole premise, right, of this book, which is you've got to start thinking about this now. One, because you've got to compete in your industry and the basis of competition is changing. You can't just like make good software and expect to make a lot of money now because a lot of people can make good software. You have to build some pretty amazing, impressive predictive systems. You've got to make predictive software. Um, so if only to make money and be competitive in your industry and be a leader, but also to do so responsibly, you've got to start thinking about AI first in every conversation. Again, people, products, policy, all these conversations need to have someone in the room with the vocabulary uh, to express what it means to put AI into these systems that we have throughout companies and governments and society. And so that's what I think um, it's going to take to be a good company in five years, it's putting AI first now. Now, to the first part of your question, what do I think an AI disaster looks like? And both because I don't like making prognostications, but also because I actually think uh, we have had a disaster already. Um, I think the disaster has already, and the next one will, be around something that you studied a long time ago before anyone else I even know, which is propaganda. It's using AI to control the flow of information, to generate information, and to also sort of distribute information in such a way as to convince a group of people to act in a way that is not what we want, to put it lightly. And we have already seen this. We've seen this around various elections. We've seen this around various sort of splinter groups organizing themselves and getting a whole bunch more followers and doing things. We see this in various countries and like how they control the behavior of their people. We see this all the time. And I think that is the most malicious use of AI today and will be the most malicious use of AI for a long time. Look, there's a lot of things that people talk about as like risks of adopting AI. But honestly, in my opinion, they pale in comparison to this one, this digital propaganda thing that, again, you started studying before anyone else I know. And I think people are sort of realizing um, is pretty, uh, pretty powerful 
weapon or tool governments can use to get people on on board with something and that's the thing it's like look propaganda in and of itself you could argue is not a bad thing it's more what it gets people to do i'm sure you and i could have quite a debate around that but yeah that's that's roughly what i think and so it's the second order effects of how ai can be used to generate deep fakes generating lots of text whatever and control yeah. the distribution of in, in uh, information that's really dangerous and I think just to piggyback off that, the I think when we're talking about AI at the organizational level, mm -hmm. but once you know the ability to create your own AI, that kind of that goes down to mm. you know that barrier to entry drops and drops and drops. Um, I think that's again where that level of of danger or of concern really heightens. You know, like as yeah. as, as you as anyone, if anyone can do this, then um, gosh, you know, the, the checks and balances um, become really complex and really necessary. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's just fascinating. So, um, Ash, um, thanks so much for being here. It's been, it's been absolutely fascinating having you on. Um, tell us more about the book. Like, when is it out? How can people sure. get in touch with you if they want to discuss it? Yeah, so the book will be out on the 4th of May. Um, in the US and in some other countries around the world, audio, online, uh, digital Kindle, real real books. So you can sit and just mindfully read it in a park outside. Yes. Um, so it'll be out on the 4th of May. And I'd really appreciate people telling me what they think about it. Um, they can find me on Twitter as Ash Fontana, A-S-H-F-O-N-T-A-N-A, -A, uh, and LinkedIn as well. And you can read quite a bit of the book listen to some excerpts, listen to some other things I've, um, I've, I've done, like interviews and whatnot, and also read some other books. Some other books I think are really informative if you want to think about the basis of and potential for artificial intelligence on the website, which is the AIFirstCompany.com. Um, so please do check that out. Let me know what you think, and uh, channels are open to discuss it. Ash, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for that. Yes, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And and I know, um, again, we're not just there, you know, it's, it's April still. So wish you all the best for the launch and the craziness you, yeah. that surrounds that. But um, it's absolutely fascinating book. And I really, really advise everyone to go out there and um, buy the book, check out the website, because it's a really brilliant topic.